I'm David S. Dawson from the Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 238 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we have a showdown between software and hardware recorders. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we see our anchor is holding a bit better these days with certification. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we have somebody who asks about why we never talk about a certain service. Lauren, start the show now. Everybody wonders why SP never talks about me. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to an all new episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew and with me, of course, is the wonderful Stargate Pioneer. Please call me SP Steven. Everybody else does. And I'm excited to talk a lot about podcasting today. This is a special show that we've put together specifically for all podcasters because it's a topic or our main topic that everybody wants to talk about. We've got a great download. We've got some feedback that we want to talk about. And we have a how I saved my hardware story. Yes, we do. This is an interesting one because it's near and dear to Stargate Pioneer's ears. That's right. For those long-term listeners of Better Podcasting, you might have heard me mention a article I wrote on the GunnaGeek.com site about studio monitoring headphones quite a few years ago. In that article, one of the headphones that I purchased and reviewed because it was the first true professional headset that I had purchased was the Sony, and they say professional, but the MDR 7506s. They still work great. I listen to them in my secondary monitoring location all the time. But Stephen, the time has come to change out the ear cups. And for those that are listening on the audio, I want to paint a picture in your mind because I'm showing it on the video of complete and utter disarray like uh, a pothole road in Minnesota in the springtime. Okay, so picture this. You go and you're like, I need to get myself an office chair. And you go to the local big box store and you're like, I don't want to spend a lot on an office chair. I'll spend $30 on this office chair. And then you use that office chair for 45 years. Imagine what it looks like with its fake pleather and its foam. That's what his ear cups look like. Pretty much. (laughs) There's not even supposed to be any of the foam showing, but the the degradation in the faux leather has shrunk them so much that you can definitely see the foam in there. The bonus for a lot of these professional studio monitoring headphones is that this happens quite a bit and people use these on a daily basis in their sound mixing booths and they need backups. So you can either buy like an OEM set of replacements that generally cost more money, but are more equivalent to the original ones 
that come with it. So it's not going to change the tone or the comfort level at all, or the heat dissipation or whatever, or you can go out and you can try to get a third party market replacement. So in this particular case, I was using them just a couple of days ago. And I was like, you know, it's time for me to replace this because I got all the the faux leather just sticks to my face in the stubble and stuff. I'm like, no, I, I can't do this anymore. So I went online and I priced out an OEM pair, which is about 30 bucks on Amazon. I thought, you know, I just don't want to pay that much. I want to be cheap like Steven. I want to live the Steven life. So I found a third party seller called Wicked Cushions. And this is totally something that Steven would do. He would like to get wicked with his cushioning on his earphones. And these will be inserted onto my Sony MDR7506s right after this podcast. But I just wanted to show that I had purchased them. I wanted to show the what had happened to the old ones. And I wanted to show, these are right out of the pack now, the replacement, which is very much like the original. It does have the screen. Some of them don't have the screen. This has a screen that goes over the speaker itself as well as the faux leather. So yeah, I'll just replace them and my headphones will be as good as new for a little bit. For the record, SP calls me cheap. Um, the problem he's run into right now is actually one of the reasons why I would I would quickly push headphones, in my opinion, down a list, not being able to get the OEM cups. And uh, just a little tease on that. Uh, I've been trying Sennheiser IE40 in-ear monitors um, for a little bit. And the fact that I can't find different size in like actual Sennheiser tips for them in the style that I want, I, I legitimately have put them to the side right now. I actually don't know where I've got them right now because of the fact that I can't find a proper Sennheiser product for for them. And I think that it like when you use a third party, it changes the tone. And that's the same thing with the, the foam cups on the headphones. It changes the tone. And so I take a personal issue with that. I'd rather spend a little bit more money like with my sure in-ear monitors that I use. I can get sure tips. And I know that they're meant for the in-ear monitors. And it's the same thing with the Shure headphones that you use. You can get the actual proper pads for those ones there. So I don't know. For me, like, I have troubles trying to find a third party that reproduces sound in the same way for headphones, especially. That's a great point because we talked about it on this show before. I don't remember the episode number, but Stephen, remember when I got replacement ear pads for my Audio-Technica M50X, ATH M50X headphones that I've taken to work. That's what I use to listen to podcasts at work now. And I had to replace the ear cups because they were out before the Sony's did. And I got the replacements and it completely changed the sound profile that I was hearing from the Audio-Technica ATH M50X. So I can personally attest that that is true for over the ear. I have used some in-ear Bluetooth headphones and I have gotten aftermarket tips for those in the gym and because that's the only time I'll, I'll use them because they end up hurting my ears and I tend to get ear infections if I leave them in my ear too long and even those change the sound profile of my ear so yeah I will agree with you on that I am curious it's to see if these wicked cushions change the sound profile of the Sony MDR 7506s that I have but I'll wait and see, and, and maybe in two weeks, in, the, in our next episode, I will report on what happened. 
As we record this episode, it is in the middle of November 2020, and man, has it been an interesting year. One of the results of this year is that many workplaces embraced teleworking, which came with adapting to teleworking tools. Some of these same tools have been used for podcasting with geographically separated guests and co-hosts for the year, also for streaming podcasters. More people are using these connections and streaming tools today than have ever before, which could help you in your podcasting. This year, we also saw the audio hardware company Zoom step up its gear game to compete with the Rodecaster and MixPre devices. And these new podcast-specific devices have been an instant hit with podcasters and streamers. Everywhere podcasters look, there is a way to record your voice or call with a guest or co-host, be it local, be it on software, on online services, mobile applications, or hardware recorders. If you are new to podcasting, you might not understand all the options available. If you have been podcasting for a while, you might not have had the opportunity to experiment with some of the other options available. We saw this recording capability aperture open wide open a few months ago and felt that these capabilities warranted a discussion on better podcasting this year. We've actually covered some aspects of this topic every year since we started in 2015. We've covered the recording process way back on episode two. We've covered recording backups. We covered recording while traveling or mobile podcasting. We've covered an entire episode devoted to podcasting recording services, how to record without a computer, and recording innovation since podcasting began in 2004. But today we wanted to take a single look at a single episode now that there were so many options, and that's a good thing that there's so many options, by the way, and compare and contrast the capabilities so you could take stock of what's available now in case there was a better or easier way for you to continue podcasting and have more fun with your podcast. So we're going to start by defining some of these terms. We're going to go into some considerations of the various different methodologies and processes for recording, and then we will get into a summary. So Stephen, let's talk about the definitions of some of these recordings, starting with hardware recorders. Yes, the first option before we even get to hardware recorders is, of course, to pay Stargate Pioneer $50,000 per episode to do all the work for you. That's the, the first option. That would be in my ballpark for like maybe 67 minutes of my time. <laughs> all right. No, the first one we do want to talk about is a hardware recorder. And our loose definition that we'll use for this episode is, is a device that has recording as part of its function without the need of additional add-ons or software. So examples of this is like the Zoom H6, or the Zoom L12, Tascam Model 12, the Rodecaster Pro, essentially a device that is meant to do recording. The next thing we want to mention is a software recorder. And the way we'll define this is software that's installed onto a computer, which can be a desktop or a laptop, that records audio sometimes requiring an audio interface. Not always because you can do USB connections directly, but anyways, that's beside the point. Examples of this are Audacity, Audition, Voice Meter, essentially any software that you can install. And, and really, there's endless amounts of software that you can find to do a recording function of audio on a computer. 
An online recording service is an internet-based service that records online. So this is something where you're using a website, essentially, to do the recording for you. For example, Squadcast, CleanFeed, Ringer, Anchor, Podbean, Spreaker, Stargate Pioneers Custom Online Service at $30,000 per minute. That sort Whoa. of thing. Oh, okay. I was going to say you transition from $50,000 an hour to $30,000 an hour, but you transition to $30,000 a minute. So I'm good with that. Let's continue. <laughs> and the last one that we're going to touch on throughout this is mobile recording apps. And we'll define that as software that is through a mobile or tablet platform. So it's very similar to software recording, but it is specifically an app for your phone or your tablet. For example, Backpack Studio, Twisted Wave, and the standard voice recorder apps that you find on various platforms. Now let's get into the meat of this, which is all about these different areas and some considerations that you might have, because really there is not a one-size-fits-all solution. And as such, you really need to consider a whole bunch of different things as you're trying to figure out what is going to be the best for your specific needs. We'll go through some of the considerations that you might have and some areas that we think that you should really think about as you are selecting this option. SP, why don't you kick it off with our first one here? The first consideration that I would think about when I was choosing my recorder is where are you recording? Where are your co-hosts recording? Where is your guests recording? Are you going to be in the same room? Are you going to be geographically separated? Or are you going to be have a combination thereof? Some situations lend themselves better to the local setups and some lend better to geographically separated setups. For example, if you're recording with people who live across the world, you aren't able to physically be in the same room together. It's kind of like Stephen and I in two different countries. This means that an online service may be easier for you. However, if you and your buddies are getting together each episode around kitchen table, you may find it a lot easier to use a hardware recorder where you can get a bunch of you together in one room with a bunch of microphones connected to a single hardware recorder. Now, that is one way to look at things, and we'll get into others as we continue. One of the top things that we think is worth considering in the recording sphere is reliability and stability. In general, we're both huge advocates of hardware recorders from a reliability perspective. This is because the device is generally not affected by things such as online outages, server issues, your personal computer problems. We find that in general, they tend to be more reliable, the hardware recorders. In some ways, a software recorder is very similar to a hardware recorder, but the biggest consideration with a software recorder is it's dependent on the system which the software is installed. In turn, this means that the software recorder experience vastly varies because somebody might have a state-of-the-art computer and have little issue with a state-of-the-art internet connection, while somebody with an older computer working over 3G wireless might lose a recording because of a system crash or an internet outage. Online recordings can also be a very reliable platform, but you'll want to consider which platform. This in itself is a consideration for reliability and stability. We've seen before that some platforms start off really stable, and as they get bigger, they become less stable. Blab, one of the first things that we ran into, which is not available anymore, RAP Blab, 
was a victim of this. And some people have reported lost recordings with some of these stability issues with online recorders. Now, something that we looked into very early on in Better Podcasting, we keep harping on it over and over and over. It's often the highlight of how I save my podcast story segment is backups. Backups can be another important consideration to your recording. Do you want backups? And if so, how are you going to achieve this? If you're using a reliable online service, the chances are that the file is backed up in the server itself. If something goes wrong with your computer, your data is in the cloud and you can go ahead and get it. But on the flip side, if you're using a hardware recorder, your audio is only on the device and the memory card that you're recording it to. If you want a backup, how are you going to get this? Will you make a habit of backing up the file after every recording? If so, how will you do this? You're going to take the file off the recorder, put it into your computer. Is it going to be backed up online into a uh, computer backup? Are you going to stream your recording and get a backup that way? Kind of like what we do here on Better Podcasting. There's usually a backup that we can grab from YouTube or Twitch. So backups are a consideration. Software recordings and mobile apps might lay somewhere in the middle. If you have an automatic backup service, you might find that as soon as you save your file, your backup software takes care of the backup. Sometimes it's on a schedule. You might not get that back up until later on that night or later in the week, or maybe it's just once a month. It just depends on your, your settings are to your backup. So Steven, let's go into the next consideration, which is audio quality. Yeah, audio quality is something that varies drastically amongst all of the solutions. Whilst we could get into a bunch of specifics for these, the reality is that the landscape of this is so large, we just couldn't cover all of the different nooks and crannies of the different audio qualities that are found across the different options. But we'll summarize some of the cliff notes here. Uh, the hardware recorders are something that will vary based off of things like the preamps and the different specifications. For example, some hardware recorders are limited to 16-bit recordings, while others do higher. Some only do 44.1 sample rate, while some do better. As well, the preamps, essentially what is giving the microphones its gain, do sometimes suffer from noise depending on the quality of that hardware. That can also have an impact on the recording. So all of these things do mean that every hardware recording option does vary depending on the specifications of that specific hardware. Software recorders kind of have some of these similar limitations in some ways because often, what I mentioned earlier, a software recorder, you're going to couple with an audio interface of some form in order to get your signal from your microphone into your computer so that your software can then record it. Now, sometimes it is the USB direct, but again, that will vary. So this is why you sort of run into these same sort of issues because audio interfaces will vary the same way that a hardware recorder will. As well, the USB connection on a microphone does vary as well. Also, the software settings is something you're gonna have to have a look at because some software do have limitations on the bit rate that they do record and things like that. So you really need to pay attention to what that is as well, make sure that it is set up to the quality level that you want. Now, online recording is probably something that we have seen the biggest variance in because 
just like with hardware and software recorders, you often find that the services do vary depending on what they have established as their sort of baseline of what they want to offer. And sometimes you got to pay more to get better quality. So you need to have a look at the online recording services to see what exactly are they providing you and how are they recording your file. It could very well be that they're going to give you a lossless file, which is great because lossless file, assuming that it's within, you know, all of the right qualities that we're talking about, like sample rate and things like that. Anyways, you get a file that is clean and is, is good for you to edit because it's lossless. But if you're looking at an online service and they're like, no, we're only going to give you an MP3 file. Well, now that's a compressed file, which once you go and you edit it and then you resave that to an MP3, now you're almost trying to like double compress it and it can cause problems with the end quality of your podcast. So you really need to pay attention to the online service. What are they offering? And is it what you want for the quality of your file so that you can work within the parameters that you have in your mind? Yeah, re file recording degradation is is terrible because you want to start out with the highest quality that you can get. And another issue that you might run into that's kind of similar is what we'll call audio drift, also known as audio sync. Audio drift is another consideration that can end up degrading your audio experience, especially if you end up with overspeak between the different people that are talking. Uh, this is the idea that if the audio falls out of sync from where it should be or from another file, usually in a multi-track sort of situation, often a computer that is hitting resource limits will end up causing an audio file to drift or have the audio come in and out of sync. That's to deal with the buffer in the recording that it does. This can sometimes manifest itself as pops and crackles too, by the way, it's not just audio that is not syncing correctly or is not timing its recording correctly. However, another issue is the audio sync issues can happen where if you're trying to match up a file with another file, they're not made to be fully in sync. This is something that we've heard of from some online recorders. Often the online service will provide a file for each of the participants. And we've had a few people write us over the years about sometimes getting these files and one of them being drastically out of sync it's too long, too short. Maybe there's a part of it that's missing. So it's not good for your final edit because then you have to figure out why it doesn't sound right. And then you figure out that the audio is out of sync on this one or maybe all the tracks. This can also happen with hardware recorders too, by the way, but often it's not as much. And where the difference happens is between different types of recorders they all operate slightly different. So the files are not usually 100% in sync. However, most of the time, the audio will be close enough that it's entirely usable to stitch together with another file that was recorded on a hardware recorder. One of the reasons for this is that hardware recorders have a singular function most of the time. I mean, there's mixers now too, but hardware recorders like the Zoom H6, like the Zoom H8, like the Zoom H5, they have one purpose in life, and that is you stick in some sort of audio source and they record that audio source on whatever amount of tracks that they have available. That is it. And if that is all they're meant to do, then they're going to do it just fine. And you don't have to worry about software uh, bloating or 
any other issues that come out of it. So what goes into the recorder gets recorded. And that is why you don't have as much problem with audio drink drift and audio sync with hardware recorders. There is an issue which we actually ran into last week in our better podcasting live chat, right, Stephen? Yes. Whether or not you're going to choose an option that does require you to push a button to record or has an auto record built in. Now, this might sound like something minor, but it is something that every podcaster who chooses an option where you have to push record will at some point run into a situation where you realize, oh, I didn't hit record. I got so busy talking ahead of the time. I totally forgot about it. I, I think this happens to every single podcaster in there, as opposed to maybe a service, like if you're doing something online, where it automatically records once things are connected. This is something that you really do need to think about. And it might sound like a big challenge hitting record at the beginning, because usually there's so much setup that you have to do each time that you record a podcast. But I don't know. I've used a hardware recorder for a lot of my podcasting. And before that, I used a software recorder that did not auto record. And eventually you get in the habit of it. And if you have the right setup and you have backups and things like that, then most of the time things will work out that occasional time that you will forget to hit record. But you do want to consider it because some people are better at remembering to hit record versus others. And if you're one of those ones that you know you're going to forget that step, you definitely want to make sure that you're picking something that will automatically record. And that could very well just be a fallback. Like I know back when lots of people use Skype to do their podcasts, lots of people installed a plug into Skype that they would use as just a backup so that every time they started a Skype call, it would start to record. But it is something worth considering as well for both software and hardware recording options and apps for that matter. You want to consider the storage possibility as well. Is this something that you're going to be equipped to be able to monitor the remaining storage and make sure you're not halfway through recording and then all of a sudden find out that you're out of storage? Or are you one of those people who, again, want to be able to just Hit record at some point and know that your episode's going to record. Again, an online solution might lend itself a little bit better if you're not going to be able to manage that. This could be especially hard if you are using, a, a, say, a software recorder or an app recorder that is a shared device, like it's your main computer or it's your main phone, where you do constantly have other factors on there, like if you have a video on there or you take taking pictures and you're constantly running out of storage on your phone. You need to be able to consider the fact that as soon as you are banking on doing your podcasting through this, you have to be able to manage that storage as well. So definitely a consideration as well. And again, if you would rather just have a set it and forget it thing, maybe an online recording solution is better for you in that regard. Along those same lines, if you are looking at a backup or maybe even your prime with streaming, there are considerations that you're going to have to take into account, especially if you're combining a hardware recorder or software recorder with streaming. If you're wanting to stream the audio, this means you get it, need to get it into a streaming platform. How are you going to do that? 
Some online recorders will have a built-in stream capability. StreamYard, which I use for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., does that to YouTube, to a variety of different places. But if you're on the free plan, you can only go to one place. But if you're paying for it, you can go to multiple places. Now, if you're wanting to stream the audio, some online recorders will have that built-in stream capability. But if you're using a hardware recorder, do you have a way to get that audio into your computer? Now, something like a Rodecaster Pro or the Zoom L8, they can do both. It's a USB device and a hardware recorder, so it's able to pass that audio into your computer as an audio interface for the streaming software. We'd like to take a special note at this point that we strongly advise against using a software recording method on a computer that will also be streaming. This gets into the resource utilization that we were talking about. And streaming can be very resource intensive. So we highly, even if you're just audio streaming, by the way, so we'd highly suggest that you don't use software recorders in combination with streaming unless you have that software recorder on a separate machine. And that's a whole different level of complexity that most hobby podcasters either really enjoy, really like, and they they have their huge home setups, or they just want to podcast with their laptop on their on their kitchen table and they don't want to get into all of that expense and complexity with multiple machines. So that's streaming. We are big advocates of editing our final show though, which means If you have multiple speakers, multiple hosts, multiple guests, maybe it's to your advantage if you're going to edit to get that multi-track solution. So that's definitely a consideration, right, Stephen? Yeah, if you are thinking about doing multi-track recording, then that might sort of limit some of the options that you have available for you. And if you're not familiar with what the idea is with multi-track recording, that's where you have each person and maybe more, like if you're playing sounds, on their own individual track while you're editing. That's what we do here with Better Podcasting. As we record, I have my recording on one track, SP has one on his, and eventually in editing, I go and I stitch those all together, and that's the idea of multi-track recording. Well, the thing that you want to consider about this is that some options won't allow you to do the multi-track recording easily. Some online services don't flat out do it. Meanwhile, others do build that as a big option. In fact, there are some online services that can be the easiest way to get multi-track recording. What happens is these services do it all in in the cloud, in their servers. Each person is connected through this online service, sending their audio there, and the online service is going, and at the end, supplying the person with all of these individual tracks. It could be one of the easiest ways to do it. But if you're using something like a software recorder or an app, it's almost the extreme. How are you gonna get the multiple tracks using software recorders or app recording? If you're looking to have a multi-track setup where you are doing an online communication, like for example here with SP and I, How exactly are you going to separate the tracks on one person's end if you are wanting only one person to have to do the recording? In this situation with Better Podcasting, we're both very technical people. So we both are really, really comfortable with each recording our own track. 
But it might be different if you're doing some form of interview show. Do you think every person that you interview is going to have that technical ability to be able to record their end? So now you, as the person that's conducting that interview, has to think about, well, how am I going to record both of us separately within my software or app recorder or even hardware recorder? This now gets a lot more complex because you do have to figure out how you're going to do that isolation. For me personally, I'm a pretty technical guy. For a long, long time, I was doing what was called a Skyposaurus. Essentially, it was a computer that was running multiple Skype sessions or multiple Skype computers all piped into one hardware recorder. So that meant that I would have one Skype calling for host A and one Skype call going for host B and so forth. And I was using equipment so that everybody was all mixed together. But that's very technical. As I'm describing that, you're probably a little confused. So that was an option that I had, but it was quite complicated in a situation where I am wanting to make sure that I don't have to rely on the other person to be able to record their own end. Again, an online service might be the easier option there. I will say it wasn't until recently where hardware options existed to get a limited mix minus very easily. The mix pre series of hardware was kind of the first to do it where it acted like USB audio interface and then you could get multiple tracks so you can record locally up to however many tracks you had and you could record the incoming track separately. You'd have if you had multiple co-hosts that were geographically separated, they would all be on one track. I am using a version of that using Mix Minus with my Mackie Pro FX V2 mixer, and I'm using various different Mix Minuses into my Zoom H6 to get the same thing. With the things that you have available now with the Roadcaster Pro, with the Zoom H or L8, I was going to say H8, with the Zoom L8 and the L12 and the L20, you get that inherent to you can record multiple tracks locally and then the incoming USB. So that's cool. One thing that we talked about several times already is hardware requirements. Now, there are a few aspects to hardware that we need to discuss specifically in terms of required. Now, don't worry, we're not going to get specifically technical. I'm going to tell you why you need to look at requirements and specifically look at requirements over time. That's because they change. They change over time because software requirements to run your hardware end up increasing over time. I don't think there's ever been a case where they've been decreasing because everybody wants more functionality. They want more bandwidth through to record even more quality. So it just ends up looking like it's more resources on your computer. What's an example of this? Take your smartphone, for example. Every, just about everybody has a smartphone these days, and they can work great for podcasting. But for non-podcasting purposes, they generally work great out of the box, especially in the first year that they come out. But a couple of years later, like three years later, and it really starts to slow down. They're not doing anything purposely to slow down that phone. It's because the OS to run the phone has probably been updated and the apps on your phone definitely are updated. So they're taking more space, they're taking more memory, and they're taking more resources to run on your computer over time. Not to mention the battery will tend to get older and tend to fail over time if you can't change it out. 
So that is an example of a hardware device within two or three years getting to the point where it's going to slow down and not capable of doing the same things as it was before. Because unlike hardware recorders, it's doing multiple things at the same time to try to get you your services and your functionality that you want over it. And your hardware recorder can do that singular function, whereas your smartphone can't. PC requirements are working almost the same way as a smartphone. Now, depending on what you're asking your computer to do, over time, the software could take more processing power and memory than your PC has available. Also, perhaps to start off, you don't have the top of the line PC to begin with or laptop to begin with. So depending on your hardware you have to start with and how old it is, depends on how well it can meet the demands you're placing on it for recording or streaming. And that's why you really have to look at hardware requirements and they evolve over time. So I'm not going to say right now you have to have such and such a processor. You have to have so much memory. You have to have so much storage on board and you have to have this network capability on it. I'm not going to say that because it's going to change over time. If you have a question about it, you can come ask us. And then of course there's cost factor that runs through this as well. We're going to talk about costs in a second, but Stephen, why don't you talk in the meantime about internet connection requirements? Yeah, for sure. It's another consideration, especially if you're using an online service. This is because if you don't have a reliable connection to the online service, you might end up having issues with your recordings, such as things that we mentioned earlier, dropouts or maybe missed sections or possibly even entire lost recordings if you don't have a stable connection to that online service. As such, if you're going to use an online service or a service that's depending on your internet, such as a way that you're connecting with somebody, you need to make sure that you do have a connection that is stable, has decent speeds, but not just download speeds. A lot of times companies will go and they'll advertise the download speeds. Once you are now in the process of doing something like podcasting online, you have to be more concerned or also concerned about what's called the upload speed, how much you can send out at one time. You also need to make sure that you have enough monthly data transfer. Often this is incorrectly referred to as bandwidth. And lastly, you also need to ensure that local hardware is dependable that is for your internet connection, like your router and your modem. This is an area that a lot of people don't really realize can go faulty. And SPNI have both been doing some form of online communication for a long time with regard to our podcast. Even before we streamed, we would be podcasting with co-hosts that were elsewhere in the world, and that depended on an internet connection. And we both had this happen where it turns out that one of our pieces of internet equipment went bad, such as the router or the modem. Sometimes you don't realize this, but this might manifest itself with random crashes or you having to go and actually go and reboot it in order to get yourself a stable connection again. So these are all things that you need to consider if you're going to be using some form of recording method that does require an online connection. In 2020, before the pandemic hit, I actually ran into this issue with my router and I replaced my router with a mesh routing system throughout my house. This was right before the pandemic. I had no idea that there was going to be telework as much as it was. I had no idea 
that we were going to be living in our homes for months on end after that. But it turned out to be a great decision because the Wi-Fi system that I had before then was great for when I put it in, but it was at the end of life. So you just need to look at updating them every two to three years for a lot of different reasons. The components wear out, power surges might actually start frying the components, that sort of thing. So we look at updating that stuff every so often. I did look at my modem this year when that all happened and I determined it was rock solid and stable. It still remains rock solid and stable, but as soon as that goes out, I'm going to change it out for a new one. I do own my modem. A lot of people rent their modem from their internet providing service, which is an interesting comment because that talks about cost. So let's talk about cost here with the recording, right? Another thing that is worth considering is the cost. Depending on the option you go with, you might find the cost varies drastically. For example, online services are often a recurring rate monthly or annually, while a hardware option is largely an upfront cost. Apps can be a combination of both. You have to buy the app plus a service fee for a monthly charge or some annual. Which solution is right for you? As with everything else, and this is going to be a foot stomping moment for us in this podcast, it depends. Although some people don't like recurring fees, the reality is that sometimes these can make things more obtainable now. You may not be able to spend a few hundred dollars for a hardware recorder or $500 or whatever Rodecaster Pro is these days, but you may be able to put up that $10 or $20 per month for an online recording service. On the flip side, you might be planning to record quite regularly, and in turn, it may be cheaper to actually fork out the money for the hardware up front then go ahead and pay those fees over years. It's something that we've said since the beginning of Better Podcasting. I believe the analogy that I used was a Zoom H5 at the time was like $270. You take that $270 and you throw that at our online recording service over the course of two years and bingo, you've actually got a less expensive option to go with the H5. So that is the difference between the two. You really have to look at cost. You have to look at cost of the computer. You have to look at the cost of the SD cards. If you change them out like I do, they they used to be more expensive than they are now, but I have over 30 of them. Take 30 times 20 and you can get how much I've spent on SD cards. It's over years, but you can get the idea. So there are some additional costs that are inherent with every option out there. But once you've recorded your show, how are you going to transfer the file to be made into a podcast? This is an important question that will really depend on your setup for podcasting, whether you're using a mobile platform to record or you're using a computer. You really need to consider how you're going to transfer that file and what's going to be easiest for your specific scenario. As well, with the internet connection, that could be a factor as well. If you do find your download speeds leave a lot to be desired, well, are you willing to sit there and start the queue of the downloads from the cloud once you're done recording? Or would you prefer just to have a hardware recorder where you pop out the card or you plug it into your USB and you're off to the races? On the flip side, if you're using a mobile platform and you are using an online recorder, is it easy to get that download down? It actually might be easier to do that versus having to find a way to get the file transferred from an SD card over to your tablet. 
Think about the logistics with that. How are you going to do that? Are you getting an adapter for your tablet? Are you now actually having to take it, hook it up to a computer, upload it to like a Google Drive, and then download it back to your phone? You're going to have to think about all of these different things as far as how you're going to get the file to be edited. The most stressing case that I can present to you on this is using your iOS device. If you have a file that ends up being two gigabytes or greater, you're gonna have a real difficult problem transferring that file from your mobile device to a PC or a laptop, if that's where you're gonna edit on. And, and then you have to worry about uh, converting it to MP3, putting the tags on it and that sort of thing. We've done a whole segment, a whole podcast episode on that specific case or it was all mobile but that specific case was included in there and that is a stressor that i just want to throw out there it might not be as easy as you think it is because i've run into it myself and i actually had to get the icloud service so that i could upload my video files up there so that i could go ahead and and transfer them edit them upload them that sort of thing at their full 4k uh experience there the last consideration that we're going to talk about in this episode is technical skill. It's something that I don't have that Stephen has a lot of. And it's arguably one of the most important considerations for your recording device. What solution fits into your technical ability the best? For example, an online recorder is, in general, easier to operate than the system for a hardware recorder, especially if you're doing mixed minuses like I was talking about when you are recording with people remotely. A mobile app recorder, on the other hand, could be right in the middle. Often mobile apps are designed to be intuitive, but then how are you gonna get the signal into the device? Are you gonna be able to get the multi-track out of it? That sort of things. I, we have personally used different setups depending on whether we're mobile or we're in our studio. I have podcasted from or recorded from a rest area. I was just looking at that, that the other day. Uh, so it just depends on what kind of technical skill you have for your location and situation for recording, how many people you have. Like I said before, it depends. It depends a lot on what you're doing. But your technical skill, if you have technical skills like Matt, right, like Steven, you can set up your multi-track recording, video, separate files anywhere in the world. You can do that if you're Steven, uh, given the capabilities, the technical capabilities that he has and the technical skills that he has. If you're SP, you try to use Hangouts on Air until it dies because it's easier. I mean, that, it's just the way things are, right? So, and, and a little bit of that is true and a little bit of that is false. I could probably do everything Steven does, but there's time involved and there's also uh, bandwidth involved that I don't have. So uh, the technical capability available to you, I just don't have for uh, several of these solutions. So this is a key consideration, your technical skill. Can you run a Rodecaster Pro? Can you run a Zoom L12? Can you run a P8, a Zoom P8, can you run an online recorder like CleanFeed or Squadcast or Ringer? Is it in your technical capability skills? Are you comfortable enough to do that? And I think that is largely what it comes down to. What are you more comfortable to do? What makes this more fun for you, easy enough to do, to do it repeatable because in general, podcasts are repeatable, right? And keep you going and podcasting and make your podcast better because we're all about better hobby podcasting, right, Steven? Yeah. 
We hope that we've cleared the air for you for podcast recording in 2020, given the options amongst hardware, software, online, and mobile recording solutions. The key really is to do what SP said. Look at what works best for you, because it does depend on your specific situation. You'll know where you're most comfortable with, and you should choose the solution that works best for you. Have fun with whatever you do, and make sure if you choose a solution that does take away from that fun, take a look at some other solutions as well, because you got to make sure as a hobby podcaster, you keep that number one goal, which is having fun. Let us know what your experience has been with some of these different solutions. Get in touch with us to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. And if you want to send us a video clip, that would be great because we do have a full video companion to the show. And we would love to have you featured on that so that our video audience doesn't have to see our ugly mugs anymore. This is the Better Podcasting Download. I didn't even have to search this news point out. I, in fact, had what's in my regular news feeds, but we got deluged with this in the Better Podcasting Discord, which you can find at betterpodcasting.com slash discord, is that Anchor is now, Anchor, the podcast, me- the free podcast media hosting service is now IEB Podcast Measurement 2.0 certified. Let's just get this out of the way and just acknowledge it because the thing is, for me personally, I think that this was like long time coming. You've got Anchor, which was bought by Spotify. Spotify, whether you want to admit it or not, is a power player in podcasting now. That they have, I think they have earned, worked their way up to deserving of that title. I think they're a power player now. And of course, as a power player, who is trying to make money, of course, you want to make sure that your entities are certified in a measurements guideline that is intended for you for people to make money. <laughs> that, that's the entire purpose of the measurements. So I think that this was a long time coming. I'm actually a little surprised it didn't come sooner, but I'm glad that it is here. And we had a bit of a chat in our Discord server when this did come up. And my take on this Whether or not I personally have some reservations still about Anchor, which we might get to in a little minute, uh, I, I think that this is a great thing. I think the more companies that are using the IAB measurements standard, like properly certified, is a good thing for the standard. I'll go ahead and just say as it is right now, I think that when there's only a few people using it, I think you have potential for one company who might have a following elsewise to to almost cast doubt against some of those. They might go out and they might go, well, we're going to keep offering our own separate statistics because we think there's a couple things within that certification that just just don't make sense. So we'll give our people two options. They can either look at the IAB certified stats or they can look at our stats. And the thing is, if there's only a few people using the IAB certified stats, well, then that's a valid question. People can be looking at and going, okay, well, this seems to be new. There's only a few players involved. I don't know. Maybe they've got something there. But if all of a sudden you've got tons of companies using this, now it's a large, the pie is being split up a lot more to a whole bunch of different companies for influence. And I think that that helps keep it more level. And some of these small, fine details where one company might disagree with 
with one thing and another company disagrees with another, they just go away. They have, they have to go away because they're creating one standard to serve a whole bunch of different companies. And I think that helps keep the playing field level and forces all the companies to accept whether you agree with it or disagree with it, this is the standard. If you want to support that standard, your opinion doesn't matter anymore, and you need to go with this standard, and that keeps it all level. Now, if all the companies want to evolve that standard, I'm sure there's a whole, there's a whole thing behind scenes that help keep this evolved because the standard's going to have to be revised as things come up and maintained, then that's, that's cool. But now it's a bigger conversation with more entities. So I think this is great. I think this is fantastic. And uh, the fact that it's Anchor, which is owned by Spotify, is even better because, again, Spotify is a big player. Yeah, so this was effective on October 27th, 2020. Anchor actually posted a update on their blog about it. And let me quote a phrase from the article, quote, some podcasters may notice a very slight decline in play counts as a result of more stringent measurement, but for the most, everything will look about the same, unquote. Anchor also stated that any change would be for metrics moving forward and not retroactive. So you're not going to see any change in the download statistics for previously published episodes. To tag on to what Stephen says, I think this is a great thing because it standardizes the counts for across the industry. And even if you're not monetizing, which we don't really talk about here on Better Podcasting, it doesn't matter because you're measured on the same scale as every other show out there. So your 50 downloads or 500 downloads or 5,000 downloads are the same type of downloads. They can be measured the same in terms of are they real or not as Joe Rogan, who gets 2 million downloads per podcast or whatever he gets these days. I think that this is also good because it proves that Anchor is moving forward in uh, revising and modernizing its service. And even if it's free, it's still a service that you're using, which is something that we had doubts on when this whole thing started. Uh, Spotify is in talks of acquiring several different companies. They've uh, acquired several different companies already. But Anchor is still largely the one that a lot of people talk about, especially in hobby podcasting circles, because it's free. And I am, for one, glad that they are moving forward with their modernization. Will I recommend them? No, I won't recommend them. And that takes us perfectly into the Better Podback. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. Which is indeed the focus of our Better Podback this week. Yes, we actually got an email that I, I think we just need to dedicate this section today towards, towards this because this has been coming up a few times lately from a few different people. And, and, and truthfully, I think it's only fair to say that some of you loyal listeners have probably heard this before because we have talked about it. But Let's dedicate some time right now to address this in the here and now, because it's probably been a while since we've just like completely called it out here. And uh, the email is as follows. Yeah, Michael from the Oakham Brothers podcast, I believe it's pronounced Oakham, it's J-O-C-H-U-M Brothers podcast. He sent us an email and he said, hey, guys, 
Love the podcast. My question is no one has really explained why Anchor is not good for your podcast. Originally, every said you don't own your podcast, but this has been explained by Anchor that you do. Is using Anchor hurting my podcast? We only get around 40 to 50 listens every podcast, but we have a bigger guest named we get well over 150. Small numbers, I know, but for me, Anchor is really good and it looks good on Apple Podcasts. But if there is a particular reason why I shouldn't choose Anchor, I would then weigh up the costs of, say, Libsyn. I know podcasters don't like free because it reduces the quality of the podcast and the company could go broke and you could lose everything. But at my little numbers, is that a problem? Thanks, Michael. Well, it's free. And we've discussed this before. They're owned by Spotify. So the, the, the whole free mantra that is usually with podcasting services of these services going away after two or three years, I think is mitigated. And Stevens talked at length about that in the past, where the anchor being free is mitigated because they are owned by Spotify and Spotify is improving not only their service, but now anchor service. So I, I think that we're at a point where that's not as big of consideration, but Stephen, there are other considerations that you have, right? For me, my biggest question, which again, credit where credit's due is getting slightly alleviated by today's better podcasting download, is there's not been a lot of development with Anchor since Spotify bought them. And 100% agree with SP. Uh, Anchor is one of the only free services that as of right now, I have very little concerns about the financial future of because of the fact that they are owned by Spotify. Heck, there are cheap paid hosting services that I have more concerns on over free Anchor at this time because Anchor is owned by Spotify. But my question is, and the biggest thing that I I question mark is what is the future of Anchor since Spotify bought them? We don't really know what the direction is they're going there. Did they buy them to use their technology? Did they buy them because they have a plan for them in the future that they will change their model? Did they buy them for some other reason that we haven't even thought of? So I don't know what the future is. And there has, relatively speaking, they are gone almost radio silent compared to where they were before Spotify bought them. And so I don't know, what is the future of Anchor? And so that has me questioning about their future. The other thing is, as well, as Spotify is trying all of these different things and they're doing exclusive podcasts and things like that, I think that they have they have shown that they're willing to think for themselves and Spotify is going to make the decisions that they feel is best. Any anchor notification, any Spotify notification, head over to any uh, podcasting group or, you know, Reddit, subreddit, whatever you want to call it. And I think you will quickly find people have their backups because often these changes that Spotify, this is my opinion, these changes that Spotify have been making have been a little bit different from what we've seen sort of been the norm in podcasting, which I think is why it's fair to say that they make their own decisions. Let's say that you want to go and leave Anchor. As far as I know at this time, they will put a redirect on your feed. But again, with Spotify doing their thing, and showing that they will make their own thoughts and their own decisions, the whole offering you to redirect your podcast to somewhere else is from the old guard of podcast hosting. That was sort of a 
a thing that everybody expected because that was sort of the norm within the industry. Is that something that Spotify is going to offer in the future with Anchor? We don't know. We don't know. These are all question marks. And so this is just an example. And I'm not saying that they're going to go and say, no, you can't. I'm just saying it's a, it's one of the many questions I have not really knowing what the future is of Anchor. These are the things. With that said, you hit it on the head. Your numbers are low. And if, if you're okay with sort of treating it as like, a, hey, I, I'm just doing a sort of simple podcast. I don't have a ton of stock into it. I'm willing to take the risk. Then, yeah, you know, like that, that's probably an okay place to do it if you're willing to, you know, put a, aside all of these question marks. So I, I think that Anchor is definitely, um, I, I would say, not definitely, I, I would say they lean more financially secure being owned by Spotify. So if that's the mentality that you've got with your podcast, that's cool. You're here to podcast as a hobby podcaster having fun. And if that works for your model, that's that's cool. It's uh, a lot better than they were a few years ago when, you know, you didn't know if they were going to go under tomorrow. <laughs> There's a couple other considerations that I'll have to throw in here for anybody that's weighing Anchor as your host. And one of them is Anchor has and Spotify have routinely deleted podcasts from their service. And most of the time it's because of music, but some of it is uh, for other reasons as well. And they haven't been transparent all the time over what they're doing and why they're doing it. So that is a consideration that they have with Anchor right now. Also, they were at the crux of a recent controversy over allowing uh, pirated podcasts to be duplicated on their service. And of course, you can monetize over on Anchor. So if you can take a successful podcast, throw it on Anchor and fool some people into subscribing it and listening, then those are listeners that you're taking away from the actual podcast. So I don't advocate doing this at all. And hopefully Anchor has put in uh, stops for this. I mean, there was this whole RSS tag that several of the media hosts are adopting right now that we talked about before about the, the locked RSS tag. But this is a concern because these were two things that people have been experiencing over on Anchor. It's not a, a complete free ride. Now, can your podcast be taken down from a long-term service like Lipson? Yes, it can if they get a legitimate DCMA takedown or that you violate the terms of service. Yes, you can, but these are clearly spelled out with a lot of the other podcasting services out there, whether it's Loops and Pinecast, whatever. So those are two other considerations that I would take into account while using Anchor, while considering Anchor to host my podcast. And those are some considerations that I'm saying, no, don't use Anchor. I wouldn't recommend Anchor, but I can't disagree with what Steven has said either when it comes to the cost versus your hobby podcast and how many downloads you're getting. Just realize that there are other things that can happen to your podcast while using Anchor as a service. If you're comfortable with that, if you're comfortable taking that risk, go ahead. So there we go. Now we can put that to bed for a while until the next time we want to bring it up. But now we've gone and spelled it out there. And uh, hopefully that will help you if you've been wondering the same question for a while. And before we go, the last thing that I just want to quickly give a shout out today, uh, we had Randy Walker mention in our Discord server that the Zoom ZDM1, also known as the ZDM1, is now apparently available on its own. This was something we weren't sure about because when it was announced, it was seemed like the press releases and everything talked only about the Zoom 
ZDM1 microphone. And then all of a sudden it hit the online centers and it was only available in the podcasting bundle, which it was just saying like the ZDM1. And then it had all the headphones and whatever the heck else is in it. And we're like, but I thought it was supposed to be available just in the microphone. Well, it looks like it is cropping up now uh, in different areas with just the microphone in there at a lesser price. So there you go. You've got that in there if you're uh, wondering about that. And uh, you can go ahead and search that out wherever you get your podcasting equipment from. And honestly, both Stephen and I have been a little busy the last few weeks here. We do have a ZDM1. ZDM one, whatever you want to call it from Zoom. We both have one. We do intend on using them. I intend on moving forward with my unboxing videos and uh, continuation videos from the Zoom H8 and continuing those as we go forward here in the next couple of months. So look forward on that on our YouTube channels. And if you have any questions about the gear that we do have, let us know and we will tend to include those on our gear reviews and gear videos. And one last thing before we walk out the door, I think I should acknowledge it right now, Stargate Pioneer. Between our last episode and this episode, we reached the five-year anniversary of our episode one, not our episode zero. Uh, it was, I think, a day after we recorded our last last episode. So there you go. We've been officially doing this now for five years plus together, this show. Um, again, I'm not counting the episode zero. That was like in October or something like that. But hey, there you go. Uh, five years doing better podcasting. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to say about this. I feel like off, <laughs> you off, don't off. Know. I don't know. I guess it's been fun. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you've been fired. You've been rehired. You've been fired again. You've been rehired. We've both done episodes without each other. It's been a fun five years. And I look forward to many, many more. We don't have any plans to quit. So if you're looking to us to quit, better podcasting is not going to happen anytime soon. We are going to continue to keep on going and give you the, the same great content that we've had. If you have any recommendations on future topics that you would like for us to cover, please let us know. And we will do that. I know I asked a few of our listeners earlier on this year. I still have those topics in the hopper to cover in the future and we will get to those eventually. 2020 has just been a really weird year and I'm looking forward to getting out of 2020 and continuing better podcasting along the way. So for episode 238 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drews saying, yeah, I won't quit because I'll be fired. And I'm SP saying, next time you see me, I'll have a new phone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching. And we hope to see you again next week.